Support for Best of Belfast comes from listeners just like me who love Northern Ireland and believe we have a better story to tell. A massive thanks to all of you listening who have already joined the Producers Club, especially our Titanic producers, Barclays Eagle Labs, Ulster University, Young Enterprise Northern Ireland, Gavin Wall, Peter Dixon, and of course, the Orma Baths team. Today's episode wouldn't exist without you. To find out more about how you can support independent ad-free media, get invitations to live podcasts, and submit questions to our guests, please visit bestofbelfast.org. Thanks so much, and really hope you enjoy today's show. Well, 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 mates, what is cracking? Matthew Thompson here with the Best of Belfast podcast version 2.0. So what the heck does that mean? If you guys listened to the last podcast or you heard me speak at the Only Just Media Summit yesterday, you guys will know that we're taking this podcast in a little bit of a different direction. So it's been our first year. We've had a whole year of podcasts and we've had an absolute blast, but we've decided to switch things up. The next few episodes are going to be stripped back versions of our usual podcasts. We're doing this because we want to get back to the core of why we started this project in the first place. And that is just to have amazing conversations with local Northern Irish legends. So this is the first podcast of its nature. It's also our first podcast after our first birthday. A lot of firsts there. And the guest that I have the absolute privilege of talking to today is Ali Hart. Ali Hart is an artist. She is an entrepreneur, she is a fitness guru, she is a mother, she is a legendary individual. And I had an absolute class time chatting to her and she has so much value to give today. She was so, so open, so, so vulnerable and I learned an incredible amount and I know that you will too. So without further ado, if you're near a kettle, go ahead and stick it on. If you're in the car, move your seat back just a little bit and if you're out for a run, well, keep on going and don't stop as you listen to this great conversation with Ali Hart. Thanks very much, and I hope you really, really enjoy it. Cheers. Just take the sound off and all that. Singing. I'm not a singer. <laughs> it is such a nice studio. Good, thank you. It's looking very well, I have to say. It's pretty messy. Sure. This is well, the floor people say some people say they hate the floor, other people say they love the floor. I don't know why I got a white floor to begin with, but every mark tells a story. I like it and like all of the all of the like paint everywhere and everything. It's very fitting. You are a artist after all. I mean yeah. it just makes sense. Feels nice to be sitting right in the middle of it all here. Every part of it, every inch of it is me. Yep. So is Ali short for Allison or is it, it is, just yeah. Ali? Mm-hmm. It's short for Allison. And my mom, like my whole childhood was telling people it's with a Y, it's not with an I, so yeah. it's A L Y S O M. And but then I I don't know who shortened a tally. It must have been maybe, it might have been secondary school. But my mom would still sometimes call me Alison and some of my friends is like a joke, but it's <laughs> very much Ali. Well, the Y probably works for you, even for like Google and stuff. Cause yeah, A-L-Y. and the one L. So a lot of people are two L's and a Y. Yeah. And then I was McLaughlin before that. And then I married Michael. It's Hart. So I think we all joke that there's art in the name Hart. Nice. So, you know, it's all. Uh, but um, Ali Hart just had. Uh, I used to be Ali McLaughlin Hart for the first four or five years. And then I was like, who am I kidding? Like, that is a long who is thing. able to Google that or look that up or have a, a website named that? So we stripped it down. And nice one. I'm just running with Ali Hart. I'm it's just Ali. Ali. Yeah. Well, then you ready to rock? Yes. Awesome. Ali Hart, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here, to have you here in my <laughs> exactly. studio. Exactly. You're very hospitable. Thank you very much for welcoming me into this awesome we studio. It's Did cool. I have a choice? Could have gone on joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could have gone to Cafe Nero. <laughs> yes, yes. Although I would not arrive there like the last time we met and I didn't arrive. Yeah, sorry about that. No worries. So, no, I really, really appreciate your time and I appreciate you just uh, sitting down with us just to share your story. And the how we always start off the show is just really simply, if you were in, in an elevator... Big Liam Neeson was standing there. How would you introduce yourself if you had one lift ride up? That's a great question, um, which I haven't really thought through. But my name is Ali Hart. I'm an artist, a writer and an educator. So if we break that down, um, I make paintings. I sell prints of my paintings. I run art workshops online and offline with groups of people. And I write about um, self-acceptance and fitness and well-being. Unbelievable. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this in the podcast, but I do think it's really interesting is you're also 
I'm going to say it because I can. You probably would never identify yourself as this. A bit of a fitness guru? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, and the thing is, yesterday a man, an 84-year-old man came up to me and said... Um, like I just, I just want to ask you, like, what are you doing? You know, I'm really fascinated. <laughs> are you a dancer? Are you an athlete? And it's taken me, like, it took me. No, well, over the last two years have been fine, but um, yes, people follow me for the workouts that I make. Not necessarily. I had, I have professionals who tell me whether this is right or this is wrong. But yeah, maybe I'm a bit of a guru in my own way because it works for me. I feel strong. I feel fit. So whatever I'm doing works. But yeah, it's definitely a huge part of my life. Yeah. So. Like I said to you before, like I'm in this real season of stripping everything back and trying to do less. Yep. So you clearly have like so many plates spinning in yeah. the air or in my eyes anyway. Maybe it all makes perfect sense to you. And I know uh, being a creative type myself, I understand how our brains can maybe cope with being. It actually, I find it restful to go from kind of project to project or part of my life to part of my life. Mm-hmm. But what started for you? Like is fitness a new thing in your life or has that been an add-on to, to the art? Kind of take us through what started first like what came first and well and i also have three children so you can add that into the (laughs) mix of uh you know different outlets what came first i was asked this recently um for a paper i have always done fitness or i've always been um involved in athletics like the discus of all things um uh running uh, netball swimming big part of my life my mom taught young people with learned disability how to swim so from i was about five I was just in the water with everybody just getting to so it's always movement has always been there and um, art again I don't remember a time without art and to speak about my mom again there was uh, uh, I was really interested when I was very young in moving objects so it wasn't just as like a, a six-year-old drawing a static animal I always liked the animal moving so that was you know, I was always just interested. Maybe maybe actually when I say that, the two things merged. So I don't know what came first, but I did have pneumonia um, uh, four years ago after 14 courses of antibiotics. I was really unwell. We had two kids at the time. My career was, you know, starting, but not maybe as flourishing the way it is now. And I was already really involved in fitness, but I just learned that it wasn't all about HIIT training, you know, high intensity training, strength training, yoga. It wasn't about one thing for me because they also then learned I had a heart defect, um, which my dad died from. So a lot of things happened four years ago. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, I've always been really driven and really passionate about life, but now fitness works for me for my mindset as you said for the creative mind I don't mind having lots of different outlets but often I do feel overwhelmed and the one way that I can escape overwhelm is fitness Unbelievable. so I would say they come hand in hand but ultimately art is the, the yeah. core and do you think that your circumstances like the heart defect and like having pneumonia maybe allowed you to step back from fitness and make it more like put it in its place in your life isn't like this is to help me in my other areas rather than oh yeah the purpose would yeah. you say that, that yeah and i have faith as well like i'm a christian so i really do think sometimes yeah you know god breaks you to make you and for me it wasn't really a choice it was a i had to rest and pneumonia is a very frustrating um illness because i was like up in our bedroom people were taking the kids for school for me to nursery daycare uh, helping out where possible and I had a lot of time to think uh, so <laughs> without getting emotional it was it was a pretty dark searching time but for us as a family for my relationship with Michael for my career yeah you um, I think you have to constantly reassess what you do but that was a, b- a big pinnacle really big revolutionary whatever you want to call it revelation time in my life where I thought if I'm going to make all this work, there has to be a way to do it without it being frantic yeah. and detrimental to my health. Absolutely. So do you think there's ever been a point in your life where art has kind of been all-consuming in an unhealthy way? Uh, do you know, I um, my degree show, which uh, was 794, 95 bread bags, and it was <laughs> the first time I really uh, dealt with my dad's 
the grief, the loss of my dad. So there was a bread bag for every week from he died right to my degree show. Wow. Um, in terms of art, it ticked the boxes I got first. Yeah. But um, <laughs> in terms of emotions and my mum, she arrived there and we can laugh about it now, but she arrived at my degree show, which was this mound of bread bags. Um, there was a camera, very small TV, like it was 10 years ago now, 11 more than that it was 14 years ago 15 years ago um it was hard to get a small camera or you know a small tv there was one and it just had this noise of and it was just me searching through the bags so it wasn't detrimental but in terms of uh realizing that grief had kind of grief and art were so involved i couldn't escape one or the other so i just dealt with it and it it was a beautiful piece but my mom arrived and said you know where's your painting so (laughs) um so i think i was very involved in it but maybe i was communicating obviously with uh, my peers and my tutors but maybe not my family yeah so that was a big big deal like i remember crying a lot whenever uh, michael (laughs) and i we weren't married at the time and we just started going out he's like are you like are you all right you know yeah so maybe in that way but other than that shapers it brings so much joy to my life that's amazing like color people say to me oh color you have so much color but why would i escape color absolutely color's my world really (laughs) definitely and so you talked about your degree show did you finish high school and then go and start to study art at university yeah so yeah. um we did the 11 plus whenever i was in primary school I, I failed yep yep yeah, <laughs> i failed the 11 plus um but that was never a problem and uh, my mom we just i went to high school same as my brother then did my gcse's went to a grammar school um in friends in lisburn which was a brilliant open school very creative for me worked for me and then foundation course in art um, but when I when I was doing that, it wasn't even like I needed to go to university. I want to go to university. Um, I got on to do it in a really good, um, brilliant course in a technical college. I don't know if they still call it that now, did college? I think so. Yeah. And um, I had got on to do it there, but I just happened to go because the date was different or something. So degree after that. And then I did a master's because I was rejected from PGCE. <laughs> so everything has a journey. I thought I was going to be a teacher after I'd finished, but it really, teaching wasn't really for me. But at the time I was already running art workshops, didn't get on to do PGCE. And a tutor said to me, why don't you just apply for the master's? You know, this is yeah. a really strong portfolio. So I did. And I got on with only, there was only eight of us. So that was a bigger achievement than for, well, uh, as an artist, as someone who loves her practice, yeah. getting onto the master. I'd never dreamed of that until that moment when someone said to me, why don't you do that? Wow. Never look back. Yeah. So I'm going to be quite selfish here and, and poke on that point because this mm-hmm. is kind of where I'm at in my journey as well. Okay. Um, I started to go back to university almost three years ago to study creative writing. Okay. And whenever anytime anyone would ask me so what are you going to do with that afterwards like and yeah. i would always kind of you know, make a joke or pass it off and i kind of just flippantly say i'm going to be a teacher mm-hmm. but i've noticed I, i'm i haven't really coined a phrase for it yet but i'm going to call it like pgce syndrome where like a lot of creatives by default yeah. decide to go into teaching because I think they may feel like it's the only way they can express their creativity because it's not something like law or it's not something like I'm going to you know become an accountant. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like everything that the arts includes, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's literature, it's even, even history and sociology, mm-hmm. the default career that people think of is I have to be a teacher because this is the only option for me. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to put that on you, obviously, but... No, I have honestly, an opinion, don't worry. I have, yeah. Do you think that you defaulted to the teacher option maybe because of that uh maybe in one way uh, because other people's expectations i would have been a bit of a people pleaser people think that that's what you do um but i would say now because i run our workshops and it's very natural to me the teaching side um but i also think that you're not shown the paths that you can go uh which is not easy people are teachers in education or the people in education who are teaching us, um, it's it's probably safer for them to put us into a path that's going to be fruitful in terms of income, in terms of security. But I do think there is a little bit of a flaw in uh, showing creatives where their potential could lie. But also, how do you know? Like I, oh um, I would the writing that I do would be under the umbrella of creative writing. So I do think that there is. But I've had to find that. I I, I had yeah. lost that. And you'd said something else there. And I thought there's, an, um, you're saying about creative. 
PDCA. So what I was thinking just <laughs> yesterday, but what I literally yesterday thought was, I am a better teacher because I practice. Yeah. And that is where when you're in art college and when you have tutors that are traveling the world, that have their practice, that have the highs and the lows, that battle with those, they are able to teach you the best that you can be. So it's my gripe a little bit, but my, my husband's a teacher. So, you I know, didn't know that. Um, pardon? I didn't know that. Yes, yes, he's a geography. Shout out to the hub. He's a geography <laughs> teacher. So, and his joke is, you know, those who can't teach do or those who can't do teach, whatever it is anyway. But he, he makes sure we need teachers. Everybody needs teachers. Um, but I definitely think my art workshops are strong because I practice, because I play with paint, because I experiment, because I mix colors all the time. Like there's strength in that. So you can bring out the best in someone else when you practice yourself. So from a creative point of view, I like when I'm going on a, I got a scholarship to go on a creative writing course in the Dark Angels. Oh, amazing. And the people that are there are writers who are going to be, it's a two day retreat. Cannot wait in October. Awesome. Um, so that's, that's my opinion on that. Yeah. And I'm kind of fascinated at the minute with um, the role of mentorship mm-hmm. when it comes to craft and like perfecting a craft mm-hmm. and just how the teaching sort of system of standing from the room with 30, 30 people doesn't necessarily facilitate that. It serves its purpose and a great purpose for lots of things. Yes. But for something like honing creative writing or owning fine art, yeah. like you said, it takes that real gentle a person to be beside you and just kind of be really, really intentionally showing yeah. you the way, isn't it? Yeah. And again, going back to education, you know, I can't fault anybody like 30, having 30 kids in a room, like they've got <laughs> to, you've got to do all the, tick all the boxes and education has to be a certain way. Like I'm not a homeschooler. You might find someone who I love. My kids love school. Yeah. They're suited to school. But yes, there is the mentor side of things. Um, it's really very current as well at the minute. But that's why we have strong people leading the way in creative paths yeah. because they have those people that have gone before them uh, who are able to guide. And yeah. and I've nearly fallen into that a little bit too. I started to t- share techniques or things, but actually there's such a hunger for that, that um, my podcast, which I have, has nearly fallen into that way of uh, guiding people of how to have a creative business. That's awesome. In a world, yeah. Like who would you say has gone before you? Mm. like who's been i've never been the same as anybody okay so this sure. is but no no i don't mean that in a, <laughs> no no in i'm an, not trying to put you in a box <laughs> <laughs> um i mean in like when i was in art college i was never really in the depths and the deep and the dark of the art college parties i especially enjoy enjoyed them and um, same with whenever i'm in the, the christian sector i was never in the bubble i'm not a fan of a christian bubble always like was friends with everybody religion bubble friends with everybody like um creatively just always my own path you know like I wouldn't be one that takes a subject and does three years on it so um it's hard to pinpoint who's gone before me but um I really am influenced by and excited by so business people because that's the thing as well I'm a creative but I'm also a business person so you know you start but then as a business person people say to me but I don't know who you are are you an entrepreneur (laughs) so you know I've I've constantly been trying to justify who I am but uh, business people I don't really have names do I Do, do you want names if you have them, I mean, don't put yourself under pressure. You can so say. I love like Ariana Huffington. Yeah, awesome. Um, I love, there's Carrie Green, who's, she heads up the Female Entrepreneur Association. I met her when it was like ground level and there awesome. was maybe 200 of us. She's amazing. Seeing her grow, she's now, like there's thousands of us in the members club. Uh, Tim Ferriss, I'm a fan of in terms Absolutely. of entrepreneur and just like uh, being true to yourself. Um I've got a little bookshelf up there. I could look and see. Uh, Seth Gordon, Seth Gobin. Gordon. I absolutely love Yeah. So, Seth you know, Gordon. there's, I don't know if they've gone before me, but yeah. I, um, I make, made a point of, I make a point of pursuing those people. And even people that I know are business people in Northern Ireland, you know, you kind of just, I just leech onto them and, <laughs> and speak to them and, and see what information I can get and take their criticisms because that will ultimately guide me too. So, yeah. As you started to take more of a mentor role in people's life, Mm -hmm. like what do you think has been the most exciting and the most challenging part of that? Exciting is when you have feedback. So I would say mentor in terms of even the writing that I do. So if I write about something as simple as grief, uh, those little personal notes from people who say, you know, for four months I've been following you, my husband died six months ago and your, your words came at the right time. 
Like that is, that's a value you can't get from yeah. money through the door, you know, Definitely, obviously yeah. money's nice. But then the mentorship one, what also is exciting is when creatives say, oh, I listened to your podcast on the tube today. They're in London or they're in New York or they're in Tokyo. Um, and they say, like, I applied that to my practice and I got, you know, this amount of income this week or this yeah. month, you know, something very practical that I've managed to, you know, because I'm a waffler. I'm, I don't, I don't know if I've done the right thing, but that would be the exciting side. Then the downside would be, uh, I don't charge for a lot. I don't charge for that right now. So um, I think that I'm on the brink of of really making that. Uh, I'm I'm all about like that jab, jab, hook, like give, give, give. And I always get back in some way because art is the core and it leads people to me, keeps me as the expert. But I'm on the brink of probably making it into more of a service. But when I tell that to my husband, he's like, another thing, really? <laughs> so that would be that. Okay, so I mean, not to like dive into the nitty gritty details of your bank account or anything, but for a young creative person listening, maybe they're, they're doing A-level art and they absolutely love it mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily know the way. And I do agree with what you say. I think every creative does have to find their own, their own way. And that's mm-hmm. part of the journey is actually finding the path for yourself. Yeah. But how do you make money as a creative person yeah. in the 21st century? I think the danger, first of all, for A-level students, university students, is that they think that because of social media, it's like that. And that would be another downside of the mentoring side is that the same kids that were like, oh, you don't need your family follow you are now the ones that are at university saying, like, how do I sell my work? Like, no one's looking at me. Like, how do I? <laughs> and, and my response is always, you just got to keep working hard because I, those roles as a waitress, as a, uh, you know, teaching young people in care, how to do art one-to-one, like all of that has made me where I am now. So how I make money would be commissions. Of um, your artwork? Of my, uh, of painting. So of that paintings. was really how I, how I started to grapple onto these 10 pounds, 20 pounds, then 300 pounds, that were commissions. So again, that goes to the people-pleasing side of things, but everything shapes you. And I still love commissions. So every someone commissions me to do an image but they'll already know my style so um commissions sales of my own paintings um prints the prints started accidentally because i had a website the ali mclaughlin heart one which <laughs> uh was had photography on it because i also was a photographer for four years of so <laughs> you know yeah there's a lot of things so there was a, a print side of that and i was like really i could make prints of my paintings what And then I sourced uh, all over uh, the UK to get the paper, the right weight that I wanted, because I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. Happened to find one in Belfast. And then that was, so the prints would be another way I make money. And then I now would get paid for speaking at events because of the motivational side of speaking, the self-acceptance. Um. How else? Writing articles for different magazines and papers, some paid, a lot of unpaid. But again, as a writer, you just love writing. Sure. Um, and then the art workshops. So they would bring in income as well. So multi, multi stream. Yeah. And I don't know if I said this to you last time, but I had listened to a podcast and it was saying that uh, millionaires have at least seven streams of income. So that made me feel better about myself because I was like, I'm not a millionaire yet. (laughs) Um, But that idea of like, okay, so for every person that says to me, you've, you know, too many, you've too many things. Who are you? What are you? I know that I am Ali. I am an artist and that I have something to offer the world in well-being and fitness. Yeah. And I can have all these incomes. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Carol Fitzsimons is the CEO of Young Enterprise. Mm-hmm. She's been a real influential mentor figure in my life, going up through school through Young Enterprise and stuff like that. And I was having a conversation with her recently and she said, a lot of people are quick to say that being self-employed is very, very risky mm-hmm. and it's very financially unsure. Yeah. And she was like, well, when you look at it, self-employed people have multiple streams of income yeah. through multiple different projects and everything. So actually, if they were to lose one of them, they still have six to rely on. Yeah. Whereas if you are working for someone you know, as an employee, you have one source of income. And that if that disappears, then everything disappears. So totally. it's very, very interesting how our culture, uh, not just Northern Ireland, but kind of like 
global is it's kind of got obsessed with you need to have one source of income yeah. steady steady it needs to be an employee setting and everything like that there's a lot to be said for steady steady i would love that sometimes <laughs> like know. the summer months is when i make when i make when i make but they're not my, i'm never have the drive to be the big hard hitting like um but you, yes they're definitely the different streams are great and I'm just getting my online courses sorted too. So that would be another one, um, which probably would add a little bit, bit of security uh, to what I do. But maybe I like living on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> probably. It does do something to you. I think it helps you, helps propel you. Yeah. Uh, I think, don't think you ever want to be comfortable, but... There and is, it's hard for my husband to family, know that. You know. Yes, and it's hard for my husband, who is a teacher, and from he went straight in after his PGCE, <laughs> um, that you know the same job. And but we wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for him sacrificing all the things that he has sacrificed. Don't tell him I was being that nice. But um, he, it's hard for him to get his head around that when he's off right now, um, for the summer, that he is still getting a paycheck through the letterbox. Yeah. That's just madness. Whereas I'm, he's like, what are you doing today in the studio? Are you doing anything nice? I'm like, mate, I am trying to earn a living here. You know? So. Unbelievable. And have you ever been tempted to, to go towards that employee sort of role? Yes. And because I'd worked with young people in care and worked alongside social services for a long time, I'd actually pursued the fast track course to become a social worker. Oh, wow. So um, I was going to do that. I'd also looked at art therapy, but I feel like all art is therapy. And um, but yeah, I would love to be a lecturer. I think I would like to be a lecturer <laughs> um, in a university, but um, I'd still like to do a PGCE, which I imagine would lead to that. I forgot that. But no, uh, yes, yes, there's days I think, why why am I doing this? Yeah. But um, my life is great and full. So the, yeah. the, in the good days when I'm like, this is working for me. Yeah. That's fine. So the bad days, what do you do? Like whenever maybe a couple of the plates that are spinning in the air, either wobble or maybe even take a bit of a crack and you feel overwhelmed like what is what's your go-to uh you'll probably see some planning i just start to plan i have like quite a few diaries of quite a few books of quite a few whiteboards i just start small and i that that's what stretches into my any art that i do too even if i'm overwhelmed with paintings or if i'm teaching people about how to paint just start somewhere yeah so I just, like we talked about, just take it all back, keep going back, back, back and try to work through the overwhelm. But sometimes you have to remind yourself, and I say this in a podcast of mine, the day's not over. Yeah. You know, it can be 11 o'clock and I've done nothing. I think like, you, this is it. Like, you're, what are you doing? <laughs> and then by two o'clock, I've smashed like a number of tasks and I'm thinking, right, you know, cop on. Unbelievable. Very good. And what do you think, like, I suppose to like strip it all back. Like, why art? I know I I try to stay away from the very esoteric sort of stuff. Yeah. But you know why? Like, what role do you see art playing in society? Because like function functionally speaking, it could be very easy to put a cynical hat on and be like, oh well, what about the survival and what about X, Y, and Z? And why should people you know spend money on art whenever mm-hmm. there's all these problems in the world and blah 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 blah? But obviously, you being the artist. I'm asking you, why do you think art is so integral to who we are? Well, if you like art, if you know what it is to go and view art in a gallery, in a space, on a wall, um, there's a level of escapism there. So I I think that I am, no, I am involved in well-being and like these grief writings and all that because I have a heart and I have a soul and I'm just never going to be that artist that rocks in the corner and just waits that people find me so um i feel like i still serve my audience a lot of what i do but in terms of art you know even there i saw money a money piece recently in new york and i've seen it before but mark making is beautiful so there is a level of um association as well with thing you know like you might not care for seeing michelangelo's david or whatever you know but actually when you're standing in front of it you'd be like someone has taken the time to do there's beauty in art there's escapism in art there's vibrancy in art uh and i understand the 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 level of uh, money that can be exchanged with art maybe if i was sitting at that right now i'd be able to tell you <laughs> but certainly when people are giving me thousands for what i do um it's 
I still know the work and the years and the the detail and the level of commitment that goes into that. So I think the world needs art. Without art, the earth is just eh. Have you seen that <laughs> quote before? That's a good one. <laughs> um, a friend uh, from America, he gave me a... Uh, um, a magnet with that but the other thing is there is beauty in nature and and I think that's the the lovely thing about being an artist is you can translate that you know you're sitting there up beside that one that a painting that I have of Santa Monica Pier but it's all in pinks and peaches and it's but that's pretty much nature apart from the ferris wheel in the yeah, middle so absolutely and on your paintings themselves so you know you, you mentioned you do commissions which could be a wild card of just about anything, I imagine. Now, obviously, people, they know your style. They know what they want. But mm-hmm. if we were to put you in a studio for six months and just say, Ali, the only thing you're allowed to do is just make the art you want to make, oh, what are we going to see? Uh, again, this, this is the the days when I'm kind of down with things and think, why am I doing all these other things? That's actually what I often think. Why am I not just like painting all the time? What would you see? Probably a lot of landscapes. Um, a lot of sunsets. I love sunsets. Yeah, landscapes, landscape that would take in cityscape. Probably a lot of what you see, but just multiplied. Yeah. And a lot of thick, thick paint. And where does that come from? A lot of mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, where does the thick paint come from no, or the where, landscape? Like the... So I grew up in the country. Interesting. Um, and I always thought I will never live in the country. <laughs> and then um, I lived uh, a few summers different areas of the states but um, mostly in upstate new york so it is mountainous and i know i come a lot yes so upstate so right on the way to the canadian border and like lakes beaches maybe that's just part of i'm very nostalgic so i would probably i would probably do a lot of nostalgia i might actually as i say this or as i i'm thinking um i probably would do a lot of like father figure meal like i like sports um so maybe it would have like male figures and children and father uh, communities dancing yeah it would be broad kind of like a, i'm not putting words in your mouth but almost like a recreation of like child child likeness mm-hmm. isn't it journey yeah, yeah. and then the way i michael used to make fun of me not, not in a funny way but he would have said you know you just make these masterpieces but when, when anybody sees you it just looks like you scribble you know <laughs> and it does you know i'm a scribbler yeah. Um, that was what that website i said uh takes pictures does scribbles but then i felt that really undermines what i do i don't just <laughs> scribble so there is a play there's a play element like that man at the gym asking me about what fitness i do i said to him like i really enjoy playing about and life's to be free and enjoyed yeah absolutely i think that comes out in my paintings it does and so yeah let's talk about the thick paint mm-hmm. why the thick paint because you know i'm looking at these pieces and the paint is it's quite literally leaping off the page you know yeah. it's one of them is probably about an inch thick on some of them which yeah, is amazing definitely uh, why thickness so I don't know whether that is because finally I'm at a stage where I am painting what I want to paint and I am painting as often as I want to paint so it it maybe just feels like there's no shortage whereas before it was careful and it was um I, I was taught by Neil Shawcross when I was in my degree and I was using thick paint then and I was layering always layered and he said never lose that and I did I started to take it away so um it's just very natural for me but when i'm in when i'm looking at a painting with you now when i'm in that painting of reef and trying to depict fish i don't think it's that special and sometimes i have to stand back and then actually whenever people see that they see an explosion and color which is exactly what i wanted to convey so that's cool yeah and what's your workflow like in terms of like so this one here reef you know it's of these amazing colorful 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 as you said fish mm-hmm. like where did this come from how did this start did it start you were watching finding nemo or then then you scribbled and then you you did like a pencil sketch or like walk us through kind of the creative journey from when this would be hanging up in a gallery well as a creative again i think it's really important to travel traveling has always been my thing and whenever uh my husband's doing the books for me and i've booked a trip you know to london i'm like well i really have to travel to be inspired so this is from a recent trip which we were very fortunate to have in the bahamas and I'd never in my life snorkeled before. Unbelievable. So this was snorkeling and I was under the water. Like they had to like get me out. Like I was, you know, wrinkly hands. <laughs> and it was, it was 
dreamy and maybe it was an artist's dream I don't know but the colour and the beauty and again that nature I and my hands just kept going out and trickling through the water and then the fish were coming up around it was so special and I was like if I don't paint this like I'm crazy yeah. so that's that's very simply where that one has been from the Malibu one was when we were in LA before uh, Christmas with our children and that was a sunrise whenever I had the two big boys my husband came out with the baby later so everything tells a story but then again as I was saying everybody brings their story so yeah. when I put this picture of the fish out in social media you know immediately people are saying this takes me back or this and again like the the writing with grief and with parenting and all like I I like just storytelling and whatever yeah. way it, short shape it comes and making people feel normal and valued and like that their life has color even if they can't paint it you mentioned the the sm word the social media yes and this is something that i have a very negative opinion of right now in my life because mm -hmm. i'm very much have you ever read walden no do you I'll know take note no walden is by this guy called um henry thoreau flip i think it is <laughs> it better be and he basically like really didn't like society and the way it was going so he retreated to like the cabin mm -hmm. and then wrote this book called walden and so walden's kind of lifted up as this right this like great work of escaping Ooh. from the world and escaping from like you know the grind and the yeah. factory yeah. and da, 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 da. and i you know i i think it's a, a step too far and i am in kind of like a pendulum swing in my life with technology and i in the past have had issues with technology of technology mm -hmm. taken over my life in lots of different ways yep so i'm always trying to fight that fire in my life yeah and as a creative person i if i'm brutally honest i'm like social media is like the, the curse of the creative world and it's sucking the you know the art yeah, out of people yeah, and da -da -da -da. yeah but like you said earlier you are an entrepreneur you're a businesswoman yeah you're living in the digital age and it is an incredible tool and mm -hmm. it is probably <clears throat> i imagine a, a real kind of foundation of your business yeah you've nailed it with that uh the gosh i i want to read that book because I, well i feel like i maybe have certainly come up that name has come up through but uh i cannot knock social media because it is that after that time of having pneumonia after those low days of not knowing who i was what i was doing um i don't even think that i just turned 30 um the I started from social media, like from my upstairs in the bedroom, the spare bedroom, a little box room um, that I was making pieces, but was able to show them to people and have my children, to be able to write and have my children. So it has built, it's built my business a lot of it, which I hate to say, but it has, no, but I am the, I am, yeah, 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 yeah. I've built my business social media, however. I have protected my children. They don't feature. They feature in little glimpses every now and then on social media, which I think is very important. I um, constantly want to write a blog post apologizing for encouraging people to use social media. And I would entitle, I would the title would be, I'm so sorry for making you overshare because I am sick of seeing everybody's holidays. And that is probably the wrong way to say it. But like, there is nothing sacred anymore, you know. So I get yeah. as angry and as uptight about social media as, uh, you know, my mom would have before we stupidly put her on Facebook and now she doesn't know how to like and share or do whatever. But um, the, the upstate New York, the place that I lived in during those summers was I was working at a camp. That is one of the only camps left that has... Um, you, the kids don't have watches, the kids don't have candy, they don't have sweets. Um, there is, all they do really is they learn how to swim in a lake, they learn how to do pottery in the pottery wheel, they learn how to build from wood, they learn how to hike, they learn how to sail. Uh, and you know what the ironic thing is? That's been going for years, but that's actually where society goes back to because what happens is you have these children who are inner city kids in New York who are sent up while their family are working and all they want is for their kids to learn the basics. And that yeah. is the danger now is that my nine-year-old wants a phone and he says, oh, when I'm 10, I'm getting a phone. And I was like, <laughs> who gave you that? And 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 they see us swiping and my two-year-old can swipe and can turn it on and off. Oh, I get really, really uh, overwhelmed and really exhausted with social media. So um, I think when I last spoke to you was June and I had taken a break from all live videos and all stories. 
Which to some people is like, well, what's the big deal in that? But that was a very significant part of, of your online brand from what I saw. Yes. I just met you in June. And yes. I knew you for your stories. Right. You yeah. Know, and for your videos. and Yeah. That's... The views and the engagement is massive on that. And actually, more importantly for business, the conversion is huge for me. When I would do a live video, I would make a sale. And it was this really addictive uh, part of it because I actually hate the live and I'm shaking. But yeah. I listened to... Um, he's the dating expert and I, I only follow him because I write for NI Gossip Guy and he told me about him. He's called Matthew Hussey maybe. And he had said, you learn to control the shake. You learn to have that confidence. Um, <clears throat> so that is what I uh, was able to do with videos. But there is a time and a place. I'm back on. I just spoke on one of my videos this morning to explain that I fell off the monkey bars and that if people <laughs> don't get something with the first try, they should keep trying. So, um, but that was after about monkey nearly, bars in the gym. Sorry. In the gym, I, yes, I yes. You in the playground, like you know what? I'm going to give those monkey, monkey bars. Monkey bars, which I will <laughs> the next time with my kids. But uh, yeah, the social media there is a time and a place, and um, but part of me warms to people who don't love social media um people who are maybe on it to uh get fashion tips or get whatever but actually a lot of the sales i get are not from the people that engage with me they're not the people that are obsessed with social media they're the people that are using it as the tool that it is designed to be so in your own words what is the difference between social media being a tool and social media becoming i don't know maybe a purpose or something that it's not supposed to be what is the difference? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the 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 difference is uh, refraining from me sharing every photo I took in the Bahamas uh, to realizing that it is a tool and I want to make a sale and I'm going to showcase that customer that took the time to take a photo of my painting in their living room. So. So I know that the Bahamas pictures would get all the engagement and they get all the nosy people who just want to know about me and want to <laughs> criticize me. But actually what I would, what what will benefit my business and using it as a tool is when I put up that image of someone's interior and they stood back with their phone and got like, that is beautiful. Yeah. And they're, they're helping my business and that is helping my business by sharing it. It is giving people context and it's keeping it streamlined that art is the core. Yeah. So it's keeping it really focused and for a, a for a purpose, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. But also, I think that I've got the very engaged following that I have by sharing insights into my life. I think that I'm just more selective about that now. And if people dig deeper into me, if they go to the blog that I still write, if they read the newspaper articles that I'm fortunate enough to A, write and B, be involved in, then they will get to know me and the brand um, more without it having to be people like I often tell people like kids if I'm talking at workshops or in schools like today I'm speaking to teenagers if Instagram fell off the face of the planet tomorrow what would you do especially yeah. if you have a business your business so many people's businesses rely on that but it's going to be a dinosaur soon enough you know your website is what the thing should be so that's how I feel about it Interesting. I'm very passionate about yeah, it absolutely yeah so if I was to if I had the ability to wave a magic wand and give you 10,000 really engaged fans mm -hmm. to any part of your business, where would you like to see them go? For example, for me, I always say I would rather have 100 people following me on LinkedIn than I would 100 people on Instagram. 10,000 as well, you say? Well, let's say 1,000. <laughs> oh, 1,000, 1,000. Uh, uh I have just started up my LinkedIn and I really, really benefit from it. I'm not even a year in and it has really grown contact. Actually, I would say LinkedIn too. Sorry, yeah. I'm copying you there. No, I tried to because use Because where LinkedIn, like... is, LinkedIn is for me, it is twofold. It is the business people that I want to be with. It is the business people that I want to be looked, like want to look at me. It is the editors of newspapers. I want to read my articles. It has the people that have the income to buy the big paintings, but also it is become a bit more social LinkedIn has so putting up the prints and putting up the um, the paintings in situ and interiors still appeals to the audience who maybe want to buy a print or want to buy it yeah it, it appeals to all for me but actually in saying that I probably don't um, I'm not on there enough at the minute but I'm just on a bit of a, a slow at the minute with social yeah. media and I think that's fine you're allowed mm -hmm. to have seasons like that you know yeah but I, I think that I would love 10,000 followers on my Instagram so I can do swipe up so people can swipe <laughs> to my right. product. Yeah. Uh, but the engagement that I have is, is pretty fruitful and lovely and organic. So yeah. 
So let's say for the person listening to this podcast who has a nine to five job, incredible job that they love, okay? Mm-hmm. And they have social media. What do you think? How do you think the general public is supposed to use social media? Because, you, you know, you're obviously coming at it from a, a business perspective. Yeah. Or take your kids, right? Whenever you're, you're however old you allow them to be on, you know, whether it's 16, 18 or 40 mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Like, what is, is there a purpose for social media outside of? Um, mm. Yeah, I think there is. I think that I like a private setting and I like to follow my friends in Australia every now and then. <clears throat> I don't think I need their whole trip around Ireland or something, you know, uh, pretty pictures. That's why I like social, that's why I like Instagram. I have a blog post telling people they should join Instagram. So like, you know, yeah. yes, I'm, I get annoyed with it, but, uh, social media, social media across the board. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I, I can't really answer that, but I do think we've, we're a step too far. The overshare has now gone People used to say to me, I don't know why you would tell people that you had that that holiday in Donegal, but it would be an image that I had put up of a beautiful wreckage on the side of the water at Donegal. I'm an artist. I was a photographer. It kind of fitted and it fitted to have a story. Fast forward four years. And like, honestly, they're even storying. I'm like, why did I need a story? So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where it fits. I don't know who could tell you that, but I do think you have to be selective in every aspect of your life. To protect you and also not to be in a vacuum of perfection. I think that's where the danger is too. 100%. So switching gears a wee bit here and, and starting to la- land this plane. <laughs> um, question I have for you is just how do you balance everything? You know, like you got family, you got mm-hmm. art, you got social media, you got fitness, you got plenty of other things. I, yeah, I don't know if there is such a thing as balance, is there? No, screw balance. Um, <laughs> there is a structure to what I do, uh, but that had to be a design, a structure I've designed. And even at that, I've had to keep, I'm constantly reevaluating. I know I have a little team who help me. I have a, a personal assistant and then I have uh, someone who helps me with PR marketing. So delegation um, I treated myself to a cleaner last year in my house, so you. that takes up. So you know, like the, I don't, I don't know how I balance it all. I delegate. It's a funny question that I don't. Um, I constantly evaluate what's working and what's not. Yeah. And today, came in from the gym, sat with my son on the stairs, a seven-year-old. I knew that he had had a bad time at football last night, which he never does. And he's, he's extremely talented, blah, blah, blah. But he, my husband told me he doesn't want to tell you about this. So I came in and I, uh, from the gym and he was still asleep in which he's the only one that sleeps in. And I said, are you in that iPad upstairs? I thought he'd sneak my iPad. And he said, no, 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 mommy, I'm just awake, just awake. Came down seven, but wouldn't really sit in your knee that much. Sat on my knee. We had nearly 10 minutes conversation. He didn't say that anything bad had happened. But like he kept getting off me and then kept get, getting on and I thought, you know, this is what life is. And maybe that's very twee, maybe that's very fluffy. But that those are the things that drive me forward. Same with the people, like how can I impact people's lives in a positive way by telling my story honestly and as colorfully as possible. I love that. That's so great. Um, if you were given a grant. Is that money? Not quite. No, okay. <laughs> if you're given Give me a, the money. if you're given a special kind of grant, right? Where let's say Invest and I sent you a highly trained, highly qualified individual who's brilliant at pretty much everything. They're a they're a master of all trades. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Okay, this is to support your business and they are gonna work for you full time. Okay. What would you have them do to to really help you take your business forward? Okay. What I would have them do on a practical sense is print orders. I would have them, I would dictate all emails. Um, I would get them to learn my voice so they could reply to my emails because they take up so much of my time. But I'm so thankful for them. There was times I had no emails. <laughs> um, I would get them to run all my errands. I would probably get them to do some pickups because I still work around my kids and have like three yeah. to five pickups a day. 
and I would get them, if they were the jack of all trades, then they would be good at helping me do a five to 10 year plan. Awesome. Because right now I have one, but it's not as good as I would like it to be. So if I had someone who was a mentor, like we were talking, or an expert, I would have them sit with me and say, this is working, this is not, this is what you do, this is how you get there, and we're going to do it. That's awesome. So, you know, you just said you don't have it completely nailed, but generally speaking, let's not put a timeline on it, but is there one key milestone that you are working towards that you would love to see come to pass? (laughs) I want to be honest. Do you want, to, you want me to be honest? I want you to be honest. Um, I would really like to sell my paintings for 20 to 25 grand. Wow. But I don't know why. I sure. don't know whether I struggle with that. I struggle saying that out loud because yeah. I don't know why. Does that mean I'll feel more valued? Or does that mean there's more job security? I don't know if I'm even working towards that. That's just one of those things no, I want I, to do. I, I'm interested in that type of stuff. And I would like to probably have someone to constantly do all that stuff for me even though i have a pa it's in and out um i don't know should i even have said that yeah no i do i do yeah yeah um i and maybe that's a struggle with you know the way you strip everything down you think why am i thinking that what is that from you know you're from like a single my mom is on her own hard working like she would make me do paintings for free she doesn't like the exchange of money um but that that's that's one goal yeah and the other goal is to write for the irish times Ooh. magazine on saturday nice one. i want to be in that yeah i like that so those are my things right now i feel that both of them are achievable okay definitely what would you write about in the irish times would you like a column uh yeah what, yeah. what would your column be so about? it would be the saturday edition of the magazine okay. and it would just be what i always write about so that would be like parenting self-acceptance Super. self-belief self-worth because i feel like i'm gritty enough that uh that i can be dark and deep but i'm also can be funny with writing i feel i'm really enjoying my writing at the minute that's awesome well i hope to <laughs> hope to pick up a copy in the intimate in, 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 imminent future there we yeah. go and uh see the, the alley hard column there because thanks um if you could take one person from northern ireland out for coffee dead or alive who would you take where would you take them and why that's a lot Woo. so one person northern ireland dead or alive am i allowed my dad yeah am i oh, so my dad was um policeman but was also a mechanic so we always think also my brother mechanic? mechanic so we think <laughs> that we had uh wow. my brother and i think that we got the entrepreneurial kind of i don't even i didn't even used to use that word until very recently we got the drive for business from him so I would love to just chat to him because he was seven. I was seven whenever he died. I don't remember him. I want to know like where I get all the weirdness from. So that maybe that's not very exciting. Though. No, it's 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 what it is. That you. would that would enhance my business. That would change my career. So that would be it. But it wouldn't be in a soppy way. It would just be like a here, dad. Like, yeah, sure. what are the chances that this is or how do I do that? You know, did you use a till back then or did you? <laughs> Mechanic and a policeman. That's cool. Yeah. It's kind of like a superhero. It's like, <laughs> like the superhero is like him out fighting crime and then he's, a, he's the know. Clark Kent is his mechanic And side. because I can't remember, you know, it probably saves him a little bit because I can't remember. You know, you remember all the good things whenever they pass oh, wow. away. So yeah. I can't remember him being a paint. Like this is his boiler suit that I paint in. Nice. Um, so I have just memories of that. Whereas I'm sure he was like, get out of the garage. <laughs> so. That's awesome. And generally speaking about Belfast. Like, why are you here? Why are you in Belfast? You could You'd ask good questions. I would I would get out of. I, so you're saying, what is my goal? Sorry, my actual goal right now is to get out of Northern Ireland. I don't know how I forgot that. I was looking around nervous and embarrassed about the the price of paintings. But uh, my husband and I have tried for about nine years to leave and to, to work somewhere else. He lived in, in New Zealand when he was younger. So we tried to go back there. He applied for different jobs. We were always... Uh, with uh, using him as the sort of scapegoat he was the one we were trying to get jobs for now I'm so fortunate in that I reckon I could plant somewhere and then we we work from there so why am I in Belfast because I as I said before about faith I feel God wants to have me here and wow if I look back and it's only when you speak to people like you that you think like I never thought I would even have a studio I have a studio we're sitting in right now yeah Um, it was in the 10 year plan I'm not even at the 10 year yet awesome so traveling 
is so key and getting out is key. But Belfast is where it is working really well for yeah. me right now. And it's really exciting. Like I told about LinkedIn, like I met people now in the past year that I would never have met. Um, the further on I get, the more profile that I have, the more exciting it is. And coincide with that the fact that Belfast is a really exciting place to be absolutely what's your and favorite? it's changed you know from I was a student or from whenever daddy was alive and we weren't allowed to go to Belfast you know that was the other <laughs> thing I'd love to say to him if he was here is like do you believe can I can you believe I built, live in Belfast yeah. because we had to check the car for bombs before we went anywhere but um he sorry so Belfast is very exciting what did you ask me there I was sir? just going to say what's your favorite thing about Belfast is it twee to say the people? The no, people, yeah, really. the people. You know, you you know, I travel travel so many places all over the world. Um, you get eye contact in Belfast, you get conversation. Yeah, we talk about the weather, but when you <laughs> land that plane, no matter how many months I've been away for, and I always think this: if we lived away, you there's still no place like home. And yeah. Belfast is like there's so many events on now, music, and that really that that's it's a fun place to be on a summer's night. Absolutely. Where do you like to go? Where do I like to go? Summer's night. Oh dear. And then no I make myself sound really middle class to say <laughs> the the rooftop or the, the jacuzzi and the rooftop of the merchant. I've only been there once, but I really like that. Um and That's your just milestone for this year. Get back there. Get back to the yeah. Um the I really like to just be around the city hall and the cathedral quarter because again I went to art college when it was not the cathedral quarter. It wasn't awesome. just so now there was cobbled streets. I go to yoga hill street every now and then that's where i started to go to proper flow yoga and then like the uh cloth ear michael and i go for dates you know they used to have the menu i don't know if they still do actually inside the kids books <laughs> then the merchant for bring our friends every time one of our friends comes over we take them for cocktails there because it's fun and they're expensive <laughs> but um yeah there's a lot of places in belfast i love awesome last question yeah if you were to take Let's say 18-year-old Ali Hart mm-hmm. out for a wee cocktail in The Merchant. What advice would you give her? I didn't drink when I was 18. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I only started drinking when I turned 19. 19. Uh, no. What advice would I give Ali Hart? I, I would say all those paths you choose will be all right in the end. Uh you don't need to be a social worker. You 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 know, all when you're I had a ton of jobs and I thought none of them everything leads you to where you are now. So uh every uh, eighteen what was I doing when I was eighteen? Eighteen. I yeah, just every path you take, like trust it, trust your nose. Awesome. Ali, where can our listeners connect to you? What's the best place to reach you? On the dreaded internet. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Allyheart.com, A-L-Y-H-A-R-T-E.com. And actually now, uh, it's quite exciting. I think I'm the first five pages of Google. So, you know, yes. my Instagram should come up there, my Twitter, my like, everything should be on there. And I am pretty active, believe it or not, on social media. So Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing everything you did. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It's great to be here. I hope that was, well, you sure. Can't be anyone but yourself, can you? <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Flipping class stuff. Ali, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I literally appreciate it so, so much. And honestly, so good to get some questions answered. So good to find out more about you. A lot of people have been suggesting to me to get you on the show. And I'm certainly, certainly glad that I did. To you lovely folks who listened all the way through the interview, fair play to you. Well done. Thank you very much for giving us your time. I hope that it was worth it and that it added some value to your day. And if it did, please go ahead and reach out to Ali and just give her a wee comment. Give her a wee comment of appreciation, show her some love and just say maybe what the biggest thing that you learned from her or the most exciting thing or the thing that made you laugh. Anything you can send Ali's way, I know it can be really encouraging and, you know, it's cool. It's nice to spread the love. If you're new to the show and you haven't subscribed already, I would really appreciate it if you would go ahead and do so. This basically means anytime we release episodes just like this one, you get notified and you get to listen to the latest episode. So that is literally it for me for now. I cannot wait to share the next episode with you. It is a really, really interesting guest, someone who I've been a big fan of for a long time, and I know you guys are going to find it very interesting. 
But until then, my name is Matthew Thompson. This is the Best of Belfast podcast, and I hope you have an absolute cracker rest of your day. Thanks so much, and hope to see you next time. Cheers. Hi guys, I'm Rob, and I'm from Queensland, and I'm a proud member of the Best of Belfast Producers Club. I listen to the podcast for a number of reasons. I love Belfast, Northern Ireland, and the country, and the people in it. I have a connection with Northern Ireland as our family came to Australia in the 1800s from the beautiful county of Fermanagh. I love what's going on in Belfast, the entrepreneurs, the innovation, the technology and the spirit. My favourite podcast is definitely the Tim Brundle episode, although I do have many other favourites. I support the podcast financially because I believe that quality work deserves fair financial support. It's important that we continue to hear about the amazing people of Northern Ireland and what they are achieving. So if you've been sitting on the fence about joining the Producers Club and you would really miss Best of Belfast if it wasn't here, as I would, I highly recommend considering joining today. You can do so over at bestofbelfast.org and I look forward to seeing you in the WhatsApp group soon.